Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. This is the parable of the talents, as, as Trinity said in the children's moment this morning. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will. For all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents, and see, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and I gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So so take the talent from him, give it to the one with the ten talents, for to those who have more will be given and to those who will have an abundance." But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. During this time of year, I get a little nostalgic for some of those family traditions of mine, those family holiday meals that I used to have years ago. Many of those holiday meals that many of us are not going to be able to have this year, and and I haven't been able to have over the past few years because members of my family have passed away and things like that. Those holiday meals where we gather together from cousins and family from all over the the southeast, we get together and, and enjoy Thanksgiving and Christmas together. And we would all bring our own food that we could share with each other, wonderful things to eat. And I, I have great memories of just wonderful, tasty food that maybe some of us will get to enjoy. 
enjoy later this week. When my Aunt Linda hosted the party, she always cooked the best turkey, and so I always remember loving her turkey the best. And my, my Aunt Debbie always was, did a wonderful job cooking the green bean casserole and the broccoli casserole, and those were my favorites when she cooked. And my mother has just the best recipe for cornbread dressing, and that's what I miss the most about not being able to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving and eat my mother's food. But over the years, even after I moved out of, my ha- out of the house, I decided I should take responsibility for some of the food too. I should offer to bring something, offer something uh, to the meal every year. And so the first year I offered to bring uh, some of the dessert, not a pecan pie or a pumpkin pie. That was a little too hard for me. So I brought uh, some well-done chocolate chip cookies. When I say well-done, they were burned. And so the next year, when I offered to bring something else, my mom said, why don't you try to bring some of the drinks or something along those lines? And so I brought the sweet tea and some ice for the tea, but I forgot to bring the unsweetened tea. And so the very next year, when I offered to bring something else, my mom said, why don't you just offer the blessing? And I finally got the hint that all of us should take responsibility for those things as we are able, as we are gifted. We should all want to offer, we should all want to do things, we should want to take responsibility for what is ours, but we should also have to do that according to our own ability. Responsibility. That's what uh, this passage from the book of Matthew is often, it's often about, it's that way we interpret it most often. We often talk about this passage from Matthew during the season of stewardship, and in many ways that's what stewardship means, taking responsibility for the, the gifts that you have been given. During this season, we think about all the gifts that God has given us, and we think about how we are supposed to be good stewards, how we are supposed to be responsible for the gifts that God has given us. But I have to tell you, and you might know this about me, over the years I have really struggled with this parable because so much of this parable seems very irresponsible to me. Not responsible, not good stewardship, but very irresponsible, bad stewardship to me. And I wonder if the disciples, when they first heard it, thought the same thing. The parable begins with a a master, a slave owner, who had lots and lots of wealth, lots and lots of money, giving everything over to the responsibility of his slaves. That in itself was probably something that would have been a little odd to the disciples and certainly a little odd and irresponsible to me. But not only that, just the sheer amount that the master gave to the slaves is something out of a fairy tale. These five talents that he gave to that first slave, that would have been something like a hundred years' wages. It's just a, a fairy tale amount of money that Jesus says is given to this first slave. We wouldn't maybe even give that to an own member of our family, much less put a slave in charge of that money. To the, the second slave, he's given 50 years of wages, and to the last slave, he's given 10 years of wages. Something and responsible to give something like that to a slave or to a servant. And then finally, the way the slaves use it. Those first two slaves take that money, this outlandish, incredible amount of money, and they go and, and risk it immediately. They use it and risk it to try to earn more money, not, not to, to hold it and keep it, but they use it to, to earn more money for their master. And they do. They earn an incredible amount of money, an unbelievable, truly, amount of money. But as irresponsible as all of that is, to me, the only truly responsible one is that third slave. 
I don't know about you, but that's kind of what my parents taught me to do was to save my money when things were tough, to save money that people had given to me. And that's what this slave does. This money doesn't even belong to this slave. It belongs to the master. And so the slave takes that money and, and puts it in a shoebox and stuffs it in the mattress and leaves it there until the master comes home. In fact, that's what the, the rabbis taught was a, a good and faithful friend. If you gave something to a friend to, in, for their, in their trust, that if that friend took it out and buried it and kept it for you, they were being a good, trustworthy friend, not only because they made sure nothing happened to it, but they made sure that they didn't spend it themselves. This slave was doing what responsible people were taught to do. And yet when the master comes back, he rewards those irresponsible people, those people who take great risks, those, those slaves who, who use the money boldly and, and with great risk and maybe even a little irresponsibly. And that slave who tried to be responsible, tried to, do, to care for what the, the master had given him, well, he throws him out to the doghouse where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Kind of like a fairy tale, so to speak. So with all this irresponsibility in the passage, I can only imagine that the disciples were struggling to understand what Jesus was trying to, to teach them and maybe what Jesus is trying to teach us about all the gifts that God has given us. But maybe, just maybe, this isn't a parable about stewardship. Maybe, just maybe, this isn't a parable about responsibility. Instead, I think this is a parable about courage. You see, Jesus tells this story right towards the end of his life, right before he gets arrested, and the disciples are asking him questions about the kingdom of God. What will the kingdom of heaven be like? And Jesus answers that question by telling them these parables. Jesus is himself about to be arrested, about to suffer, about to die, and he is about to leave something outlandish, amazing, in the hands of the disciples. He is about to leave in their hands the gospel that they are supposed to go out into the world and spread and share to other people. He is about to leave in their hands the kingdom of God. And in order to spread that gospel, to go out into the world and be the people that Jesus Christ wants those disciples to be, they have to have courage. They have to live boldly. And they have to take leaps of faith. This isn't about just being good stewards. This isn't about being responsible. This is about being courageous disciples of God. And we have to be courageous because fear is one of those things that holds us back more than anything else in our world. Fear of disappointing God, maybe fear of hurting our fellow man, fear of disappointing other people, fear of failure. Fear is something that drives us, that pushes us, that holds us back. Sometimes when we're afraid, it causes us to fight. Sometimes when we're afraid, it causes us to flee. Sometimes when we're afraid, it causes us to to bury our heads into the ground. And sometimes when we're afraid, we can't be the b disciples that Jesus calls us to be. I've told you this story several years back, but when I was working at the children's hospital, when I was first starting out in those first couple of months as a chaplain, I always found myself going to those children who were 
relatively healthy. It was fun to go into their rooms to play video games with them, to kind of cheer them up, even though they didn't want to be there. But some of those other rooms where the children were fairly sick, some of those other rooms where the children were really hurting and suffering and the parents were so angry at God, frustrated at how life had not gone according to plan, well, I found myself kind of avoiding those rooms. It was the hospital, after all. I could always go and do some paperwork. I was shying away from those rooms, burying my head in the sand. And Luckily, I had a, a good friend of mine who was a, a, a tech there at the hospital who would tell me, she caught me doing this one day, and she said these words to me, Clayton, don't play it small. What I realized later is that she was uh, quoting a, a woman named Marianne Williamson to me, a very famous quote that you've probably read before. It goes like this, that our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond all measure. It's our light, not our darkness, that frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant or gorgeous or talented or fabulous? But actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. And your playing it small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine as children do. We're born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in all of us. And as we let our light shine, we give others permission to do the same. As we free ourselves from our fear, we free others too. Playing it small. That's what we do when we're afraid. We bury our heads into the sand, bury that gospel into the sand because there's just too much risk. We play it small. And if you remember the Easter story, that's what the disciples did too. Right after Jesus Christ died, the disciples went and hid behind locked doors. The disciples denied that they ever even knew Jesus. The disciples went right back to, to fishing, what they had been doing before they even met Jesus. They were tempted to play it small. But Jesus Christ says, no, if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to grow this church, you have to live boldly, and you have to dare boldly, and you have to go out into places where you've never been before and share the gospel of the Lord with others. Now it says in this passage that the slave didn't do that because he was afraid of the master. I don't know that that's our problem that much anymore. In fact, maybe our, we probably should have a little more fear of the Lord than we do right now. No, I think our biggest fear these days is our fear of failure. We're afraid that when we try something new, we're going to fail. We're going to offend someone around us and they're going to abandon us. We're going to try something and we're going to fall hard. We're afraid that we're going to fail. And so it's better just to not try at all, to take this gift that God has given us and bury it deep down into the sand. But we have to remember, once again, the God who has called us, this God who has dared boldly himself, this God who is not afraid of failure, this God who is not afraid of the cross, who is willing to risk it all for the kingdom of God. 
Some of you may know the American entrepreneur Sarah Blakely. She's a, a billionaire here in the United States. And a few years back, I was listening to a little podcast that she shared with a group of her friends about what it took to be a billionaire. And one of the things she talked about was the gift that her father gave her not to be afraid of failure. She said as she was growing up as a child, they would sit around the dinner table together and her father would ask her, how did you fail this week? He didn't mean it as a sarcastic question. What he was trying to tell her to do is, I want you to go out every week. I expect you, in fact, to go out every week and try something new, something that you will fail at. I want you to go out and try and dare and be bold with your life so that you can try new things every week. And so she would come home at night and sit at that dinner table and tell, tell about terrible times where she tried to sing a song and it sounded terrible or where she tried a new sport and she failed miserably. And every time her father would give her a high five and say, way to go. You tried. You dared. You gave it your best. That's the best that we can hope for. That's what you're called to do. I sometimes wonder if one of those slaves had lost everything instead of gaining and doubling their money if, if the story would have been different. But I have to believe that the story would have been the same. That that slave who dared to boldly use those gifts to the glory of God, that that slave would have entered into the joy of their master. So my question for us at Faith Presbyterian Church is, how have we failed recently? How have we dared to try? How have we dared to be bold, even when it's been difficult, even when there might be consequences, even when we might fail? How have you dared in your own life to offer forgiveness to someone who needs forgiveness? How have you dared in your own life to look at yourself in the mirror and think about ways that you need to change or ask forgiveness yourself? How have you dared to reach out across a boundary to go and try to get to know someone else who is completely different than you and do that in order to share the hospitality of God with them? How have each of us dared to take leaps of faith and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have done so, I'm so grateful for you. I'm trying to do that more and more every day, to be bold and to be daring, even when I know I might fail. Because that's what Jesus Christ calls us to do. And even in those moments when we are bold for the gospel and we fall flat on our face, I believe wholeheartedly that the hands of Jesus Christ will reach down and pick us up and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of your master, to the glory of God. Amen.